almost rushed the stage. That was great, brother. Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, um, I, I don't know why, but no, no one ever asked me where I'm from. I, I, I don't, uh, well, you know, not, uh, usually they say I'm from Louisiana, and I just let it ride. So, you know, whatever, right? That's okay. That's all right. You know, uh, I, I was sitting there while we were singing, and I was thinking, you know, I was watching people. Some people, when you, when you sing the songs, you sing with your body. You know, you know you're up, and, and, and as you worship, it, it's a whole, you know, it just takes all of you to, to, to worship God as he certainly is worthy. Uh, in Tennessee, where, uh, where Beth and I live, they just passed a law that the only way you can talk on your phone in the car is hands-free. Do, do they do that know how? If you're going through Tennessee, they'll pull you over and congratulate you with a citation. And, uh, and, and it's not too expensive, but I just warn you of that. But, but the thing is, I was just sitting there and I was thinking, uh, it's almost as though we've had that, uh, that rule in our worship now. You know, that, that, that we don't really, uh, we don't put our full self into it. And, and you say, well, that's, people ought to be free to worship any way they want. And, and that's true. But uh, uh, it's always exciting to see someone get excited about Jesus, really, and, and to worship uh, with, with, their, with their whole body and with their whole life. That, that's an awesome thing. Uh, tonight... Tonight, we're going to be reading out of Philippians chapter 1. Isn't that something? And uh, Philippians chapter 1, I want to read a few verses there. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, um, we'll begin reading with verse 12. You know, I was, I was seeing the other day that, um, do you ever think about how many things have to happen every day for you to be happy when you leave your house? How many things that, that, it, that it would take to, uh, uh, for you to have a good day? I mean, a good night's sleep, that would help. Get up, shower, good shower. Um, your favorite, maybe your favorite shirt or something, your favorite clothes. You have breakfast, you got to have your coffee. And, and, and you haven't even left the house yet. And if you leave out one of those elements... You leave out one of those elements, uh, you feel like your day is just not going to be any good. And, and I, I see people, and I catch myself, you know, we, we have time for so many things that we enjoy doing, and, and the things that are so important, it, it seems like sometimes we, we let those pass by. So today I want to talk, or this evening I want to talk about this a little bit, about joyful living and uh, how to, to live with real joy. How many happy people do you know? How many joyful people do you know? We talk about happiness. We talk about things that, that are external that happen around us. We, we talk about joy. Joy is an inside job. You know, it's something that, that God really does in and through your life. I, I have a mentor that uh, passed away in 2014. He was my mentor for 40 years. 40 years, this man... Uh, uh, was the man I went to. You know, he was a guy that he, he taught me a lot and, and uh, taught me about ministry and about life. 
Uh, saved our marriage many times, you know. And, and, uh, but um, he told me one time, he said, joy is an inside job. And I, and, and I, never, I never forgot that. So I want to share a few things, but I want to read this scripture. I'm going to read with uh, uh, Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12 through 26. I'm reading from a New Living Translation. And uh, so you follow along with, with what you have. I'm not putting anything on the screen because I see that that first time we tried that and, and it was back and forth. And, and I thought, we, we, we can, uh, you, you can use your scripture, okay? Okay, beginning with verse uh, 12. And Paul writes this, and, and this scripture is, is known as the Joy in Jail book or letter that he writes to this church at Philippi. It's believed it was written while he was in prison in, in Rome. And he writes, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here, talking about in the prison, uh, has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace, uh, the whole palace guard, and that was the elite guard. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, everyone here, they, they know that I'm in chains because of, of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others uh, do not have pure motives uh, as, they, as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my change, Paul writes, to make my change more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be better for me, far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to, to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, he says, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing, what he is doing through me. Wow. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, years ago, Years ago, I, uh, um, when I was in the, the 11th grade, many years ago, one day, one day in my high school, Appalachia, Virginia, 
small town in the cold fields of Virginia, Appalachian Mountains, and, and uh, small school. One day at school, a new, a new student, we thought, arrived. And I'm standing with, with the ball players that I play ball with, and, and uh, this, this beautiful lady walks in. This girl walks in, and, and I said, because, because I'm such a loving person, I said, who is that? And one of the guys said, one of the guys said, that's the new typing teacher, Mary Faye Fowler. Now, let's stop and ask the question. How many of y'all remember or have any understanding of the typewriter? Okay, you'll notice a section right here that's, they're not real sure. So check it out, uh, Google it tonight, typewriter, typewriter. And uh, anyway, she was a typing teacher and, and none of the guys took, uh, took typing. And, uh, but that, that day changed that school forever. That was the day when our whole ball team ran to the uh, uh, guidance counselor and changed our courses. That was the day when I began to take typing because I've always wanted to know about it. <laughs> so, so anyway, a, a few days later I'm in class and, and I go in this class and the teacher, I, I don't know what it was, but teachers really fell for me. They loved me. They would move me. I always started out in the back and, and they would move me to the front. They always, and I used to have a, a a little well, so to speak. They, they had a, a blackboard, now it's white, you know, but you know what I'm talking about. And, and they'd have a, a yardstick right, right in that little, y'all remember that little chalk well or whatever? And they, they would occasionally, it was like Indiana Jones, they'd reach back there for that yardstick and they'd go, they'd go just like that. And, and, and it was always me, you know, I was the one that got all the attention. And, but that class, that class, none of our ball teams sat in the back. We were so interested in this new subject. <laughs> and so we all started up front, and the teacher began to say, well, we're going to move some folks around, and Joe, I want you up here. And she put me between, between Eddie Lee King, who was the smartest boy in the school. He was a senior. On the other side of me was Kay Isaac, uh, one of the most beautiful uh, cheerleaders we had. So there I sat with, with two of my favorite people, okay? And, and uh, as I said, Ada Lee was a senior and Kay was in my class. And I'm sitting there, and every morning we'd go in and we'd take a time trial. A and a time trial, uh, if some of you know this, that, that uh, the teacher would give you the signal. We'd turn to a certain page in a book, and the teacher would give you a signal and give you like uh, two minutes to start typing what was in the book. And, and, um, and then at the end, you would deduct, <laughs> you, you'd subtract, rather, the, uh, the words that you misspelled. You with me? Hello? Come out and play. I know it's hot. But, but uh, um, Anyway, they, they, uh, uh, you deduct or you, you subtract the words you get wrong, and then that would be your grade. And I would always lose those time trials just by three or four words to Eddie Lee King and Kay Isaac. 
So one day I got tired of that. One day I went to class early to do what someone should have done for me, to do what someone should have, should have been right there with me helping. I went in and I messed with Eddie Lee's machine. Changed all the settings, did all those kind of things, just trying to challenge him, trying to help him in his future years. And Kay, I did the same for Kay. And I thought, today, I'm going to win this thing. So uh, Ms. Fowler came in, and, and uh, she was a very businessy person, and who's now one of my best friends, by the way, and she's one of our best friends. But um, she came in, and she said, all right, students, and no-nonsense person. And she said, uh, we're going to do the time trial, turn the page such and such. Are you ready? She gave you no time to think. She said, are you ready? Go. And so there I went. I was, I was really, you know, I was just on. And I knew it. I knew it. And it, it was my day. And I heard Eddie Lee speak words that I didn't know he knew. Uh, and, and Kay was there. She knew what I had done, and she just shook her head like that. And, and Eddie Lee was saying, well, I, if, if I had a transcript, I'd hand it out, but, but I won't. Okay. When, when we were done, when we were done, uh, Eddie Lee, she, you know, she looked at him, she said, Eddie Lee, you haven't done anything. Kay? And she looked at me, and I said, I'm done. I did the whole thing. And then I, as I reached for the paper, there in the carriage, as I, as I pulled the paper out, I didn't recognize one word. Not one word that I had been typing. Because my hands were one key over. And I thought, what's one key, right? And I told Ms. Fowler, I said, Ms. Fowler, that's just one key. I mean, what's one key? Why don't we deduct one? Let's deduct one and, and, and I'll win. You know, she said, that's not the way the game's played. And if you do that again, you're going to the office. She just really liked me, you know. But, but you know, life, there are certain things that, that God places before us, opportunities for, for an incredible life, as we heard Carl a while ago sharing, and we've heard others share. And uh, he offers us this incredible opportunity in this life that's out of this world, you know? I mean, it's tremendous. And yet, there are keys. There are, there's an avenue we need to travel. There are opportunities. But so often, we're just a little bit off. And the problem with that is, we end up, it's like missing the road. It's like Yogi Bear. When you come to the fork in the road, take it, you know, that, that we, we just miss it. And we miss out on an incredible life that the Lord has for us. So tonight I want to talk about that. And I want to pull this out of, uh, out of this scripture. And I want to share uh, four essentials that I think are essentials for joyful living. And you're going to see it. Simple sermon, just a simple word tonight. Don't you hate it when somebody drinks water in front of you? Okay. Um, but I want to show you just, just a few things. And, and I want to mention that, that, as I said a moment ago, that the Apostle Paul is in prison. The Apostle Paul, the last four years, have been very difficult on him. 
The last four years, uh, the Apostle Paul had, had been in the Caesarean prison a couple of years. He had been in the shipwreck as he was making his journey uh, to Rome to be on trial, uh, to be executed, really. And, and he had been there a couple of years. And while he's there, while he's there, they, uh, they put him with a, with a guard, okay? He's got this guard. So you picture this scene. This guy is... This guy is in his prison, and if you've ever been to Rome, it wasn't anything to brag about. It's like a hole, really. And he's in this prison, and he's chained to the guard. And, and so there's no privacy. There's no visitors. There's no friends. He's just kind of there with his prison guard. This guard is, is one of the palace guards. This, this guy is an elite, an elite guard. He's the highest paid uh, in, in the empire. This guard will serve 12 years and then it's my understanding that, that they'll move him out to be a leader, to be a leader in the Roman Empire. This man is destined for greatness, to be a leader, to be a leader in these lands that this great empire is capturing. He would be a leader. And it is said, too, that there's very, a very real possibility that, that when they put a guard with a prisoner, that he would only serve one four-hour period. You got that? This is important. One four-hour period, he would serve with the prisoner. And uh, so that means in two years that Paul was chained to possibly uh, 4,380 uh, guards. Now think about that, 4,380 guards. The, the, the Caesar, uh, Nero, was a ruthless man. Uh, Caesar, uh, 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 the Caesar was... Um, was a person who believed who killed his wife, his children, his mother. Now think about that. This guy was, he, he was ruthless. And yet, and yet by, uh, by, by the third and fourth century, the Roman Empire had become Christian. Now how did that happen? How did that happen? Perhaps, perhaps the Apostle Paul, and as we just read, as we just read, you know, he's, he's, he's in the prison. He's frustrated. He feels called to preach. He feels that God's given him a message, the good news to share with people. And he's stuck in a prison with these palace guards. Nobody to talk to. And he's writing these letters to places like Philippi. And, and, and he's writing these letters. And, and I can just see, if you, and maybe you do this, I've done this with Beth many times, uh, and she'll do this with me. I, I will run something by her that, that I put in a sermon or something, and I'll say, how's that sound? Can you imagine? Tab, can you imagine him looking to a guard and saying, how does this sound? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Or, or saying... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How's that sound to you? And they're hearing this man, one of the greatest preachers the world would ever know. And, and, and he's sharing. I mean, he's not going to keep quiet. He's going to practice. I mean, you singers, when you go down the highway, do you sing? Well, I do. And, and you pull up to a stop sign. If your windows are down, you're going to hear, oh, Joe, you're going to get a little, 
uh, a little sermon there and, and, and maybe a little concert. But, but there he is in the prison and he's sharing with these guys. And these are the guys, you're thinking, Nero's doing him in, he's doing his ministry in, nothing is going right for Paul. And yet, Paul, Nero, is, quote, stupid enough to put the elite soldiers of the Roman Empire within arm's length of the greatest preacher, perhaps since Jesus, you know, within arm's length. And in, in a few years, it would change an empire. Perhaps, perhaps that's what's happened. But he was frustrated, and I want you to see in the scripture, and I want to show you four things, as I said, and we want to move quickly. I know it's hot, and I also know that it's Sunday, and you, Sunday's a different kind of day at Camp Psyker, but isn't this a great place to be? I, I love to hear the testimonies of guys like, of guys like Blaine's age and Carl's age, and to hear because uh, uh, that was a group that I got to work with some, and, and it's just, it's such a blessing to see what God is, has done and is doing uh, in and through their lives. But I want to show you this. I want to show you this. Now look at the scripture. Look at this. Four essentials uh, for joyful, joyful living. And uh, this stuff works. This, this stuff works. It really does. First of all, that to be victorious, that to have the joy of the Lord really flowing, we need to have a perspective to live from. A perspective to live from. We need to see things from God's, feel, uh, from, from God's viewpoint. It's, it's, like, it's like when you are Baptist, or you put on your Baptist glasses when you read the scripture, what do you read? You read salvation. That, that's a major thing of their, uh, of their preaching. You put, on, you put on Pentecostal glasses, and what do you read? You read about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. You, you, put, on, you put on Methodist glasses, and you get called in to the district superintendent. No, no. You put on Methodist glasses, and, and, you, and you, uh, you see holiness, holiness in lifestyle, holiness in living. And, and, and we need to put on glasses, God's glasses, where it filters our lifestyle through the lordship of Jesus. And uh, when we begin to see things through God's glasses, we think of this in Romans 8, 28, also written by Paul, we know that God causes everything everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You see that? That's joy to live by. In Genesis 50 and verse 20, remember when, remember when uh, Joseph, he looked to his brothers who had done him in, sold him into slavery. He looks to his brothers and, and he, says, he says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. We need to see, we need to see things from God's standpoint, from God's view. Secondly, we need a priority to live by. We need to be careful with what we do with the best we've got. And that's our lives. That's our time. We need to be careful how we do that. You know, we, we need to focus on, on, pri on priorities and not so much on problems. In the scripture, in, in, in that same scripture in Philippians 1, in verses 15 through 18, and, and I'll just uh, uh, kind of read through this. 
Not only, he says in the scripture, not only am I in jail, but now my ministry is being attacked. People are criticizing me. So you hear kind of a whine. So what? Whether false motives or what? Christ, he says. Christ is preached. That, that the priority in our lives, above all, ought to be our ministry, the, the witness we have, the things that we share. I told you about my brother uh, yesterday. I guess it's yesterday. My brother Sam that he witnesses to everybody. How, what would you think? You're in the hospital and you're sick and you're dying and the undertaker comes to visit. That's nervous, you know? I mean, that, that'll shake anybody up. But, but my brother leads a lot of people to Christ in hospitals. And, and it's so funny in, in a way that they'll tell him, you know, the doctors will come in and they'll say, uh, Sam Green led me to Jesus. And he said, you mean the undertaker? I said, you know, at that, uh, but... That ought to be at the center of our thinking. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Wow. You know that, that you focus. You focus on those things that are important. I think, and, and so often we see our problems, we see our struggles, and that's all we talk about. You know, when you're with people, they stand up and they give witness, and, and it's about as depressing a thing you ever hear that you're thinking, you need to focus more on what God is doing. We want to hear the testimony, but we also want to see where you're going with that. You know, walking through that. Um, I think of the little boy that was playing baseball, and he was excited because his granddaddy was, coming to watch, was going to come and watch him, watch him play. And it was one of his first games, and, and his, his grandfather got there just a little late as the game had already started, and he's out in left field, and and, and, you know, if they'd hit a ball to him, he'd never seen it. He was just so excited about that. And he saw his granddaddy, and he started waving at him. And, and, uh, and, and granddaddy said, uh, don't lose hope, because he looked at the scoreboard, and the game had just started, and it was already 15 to nothing. It was like T-ball. And uh, it was already 15 to nothing. And the little boy saw, saw his grandfather kind of look down, and he said, don't get discouraged, granddaddy. We ain't batted yet. And, you know, I think that's, that's the way it ought to be with us, man, that, that the struggles we go through say we serve a mighty God. We, we serve a mighty God, and the battle's not over, not over yet. And then the third thing, we need power to live on. We need power to live on. Um, life can weigh you out. Life can weigh you out. You know, you, you, uh, uh, your best at times may not be enough. Have you found that out? That we have served in churches, Beth and I have, where uh, the struggle has been so great and, and the challenge has been so great. The first church, the first church I ever served, I had three churches and we had three churches. And, and uh, we had this one woman that felt like it was her call to make me miserable and she succeeded, you know? Until I really caught myself, I thought, I shouldn't let this lady bother me. She gripped about everything. I, I did even stuff I wore. I'd go to church and I had this corduroy jacket and, and it had a pleat in the back and that pleat never stayed right. It never stayed right. And when I'd walk in on Sunday morning, I could hear her and I don't hear that well. I could hear her say, look at that. I'd like to take that boy and just shake him. You know, I, I'm thinking, honey, that doesn't come close to what I'd like to do to you. But you know what, it, it, it was, uh, I became friends and, and, uh, with, with her and her husband and uh, I would visit there every two or three weeks, I'd visit her house 
And when you knock, I'd knock on the door and I'd wait. And I knew that if it wasn't a, a commercial, that she'd be laying in the floor uh, in the living room watching soap operas. That, that was what she did all day long. She had her pillows in there. She'd lay on the floor and watch soap operas. And her husband would come to the door. And when he would open the door, when he would open the door, you would be overcome by mentholatum or Vicks Vapor Rub. I mean, that place reeked with it. And you could go in on your stuffiest day and your worst sinus problem, take a breath and be healed. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and then she would turn during a commercial, she turned to her husband and say, get Joe, get the preacher a Coke and some cookies. And she'd come out with a stale bag of Keebler's chocolate chip cookies. And, and I would eat as many and take them and stuff them in my pocket because I knew if I didn't, next month I'd be eating the same cookies <laughs> that she pulled them out. And, and it took me a couple of months to, uh, and, and, and a stomach problem or two, to realize what she was doing. But, but we have a power to live on. Uh, Philippians 4.13, you heard, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. In, in the book of Acts, we find God always interrupting prayer meetings. And in those prayer meetings, you know, even when they were threatened, they were praying, God, behold the threatening. Give us courage to share. Give us courage to preach. And, and, and incredible things like that because of the power they had. Psalm 23 and verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and they comfort me. And, and you know, you think about that and you think, when I'm, in the, when I'm in the valley, I don't need to talk about God. I need to talk to God. I need to be connected with a person that has the power to take me through anything. And we serve that God, we do. And then the fourth thing, a final thing there, is that we need a purpose to live for. Everything is taken from Paul. Why would he, why would he want to live? He's in this prison. As I said, he, he, he's, lost his, uh, he's lost his friends. It's not like every hour he got to visit or whatever. It wasn't like that at all. Uh, he's lost his privacy. His life, people are always around him, and, and, and he's lost his, of course, he's lost his freedom, but he didn't lose his purpose to live for. In, in uh, verse 21, uh, we can read that, and, and the thing that comes out is, is that the purpose, the purpose is there. You see that? In John 15, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy, and your joy will overflow. That, that God has given us a purpose to live, a purpose to share, a purpose to be alive. And you know, if we don't have a purpose, uh, we lose the very drive of life. I, I, uh, you, take, you take, if you had, if you had a, uh, say, say tab, say you, you had this boss that really got on your nerves. And he said to you, he said, on Saturday, I want you to meet me at the office and we're going to go through 10,000 letters and uh, you don't get paid for this. This is just something that's part of your job. Part of your job. I know that you've got other things you might want to do on, on Saturday, but I need you and I want you there and we're going to go through 10,000 letters and we're going to sort it out. Would you be thrilled? Probably not. 
But what if he added this? What if he said, uh, I need you there because one of those letters has a $100,000 bonus with your name on it. And you said, I'll beat you there, boss. I'll be there. And you'd go after it like, like a fat man with a snicker, you know? That I, I mean, really. And, and because you'd have purpose. You would have purpose. And, and that changes the whole ballgame. Purpose changes the ballgame. Or what if you, one of you women, what if you're at the doctor's office and uh, he says, uh, you, you've got a condition. Next few months, you're going to gain 30 to 40 pounds and 10 inches on your waistline. And you go home and you, you're brokenhearted. You, know, you, you tell your husband, maybe you haven't been mad a year or so, and, and uh, you've got this condition and, and you're going to put all this weight on. And, but what if he added this, you're pregnant? Different ball game. A purpose, a purpose changes everything, everything. And, and uh, um, those four things that I mentioned are things that, that can drive us as we are looking at joy. Now, I want, I want to close with this and hook this together, okay? This is something a little different. Amazon, Amazon uh, a week or so ago had a special two-day sale. You remember that? Did anybody remember that? How many used it? Anybody? Several of you did. Yeah, sure you did. It was like Christmas in July. And uh, when we think about joy, the, the most joyful holiday that we experience is Christmas, isn't it? I mean, that, that's when we get together and, and uh, a lot of laughter, a lot of joy, a lot of things happening. And uh, I want to show you pulling this out of Christmas, that, that I, I thought, I was, I was thinking about this this afternoon, that, that uh, looking over my notes, and I thought, you know, I can spend a lot of time on the first part of this, but this last part, I, I want to add this, and it's simply this. There are choices that we make that create joy in our lives. And, and pulling out of the Christmas story, because there's so much joy, I mean, we sing the songs, we, we send the cards, we give the gifts, we do all these things, and I want you to see this. Joy is, uh, is in the Christmas story at least eight times, and, and it's all through there. And, and uh, I want to show you three, three, uh, three choices that we make that will present the joy, but also restore your joy. The first one uh, is, is that Mary... Now think about this. Mary received this, and, and if you've got your Bibles in Luke 1, and you know this, when Mary got the news that Jesus was going to be born, you remember this? She was afraid. She was afraid. And the first destroyer uh, of, of joy is anxiety. It's anxiety. And uh, so what did she do? Now listen to this. And I'm not going to read all of this, but I'm going to read a little bit and then just refer to the rest. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a young virgin girl named Mary. At that time, Mary was legally engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And that was a betrothed. She was betrothed to Joseph. And to get out of that kind of relationship, it took a divorce, basically, back then. 
And, and Joseph was a descendant of King David. And suddenly, now get this, they, they just put this in the scripture and, and, and you read it and it blows your mind. Suddenly, the angel appeared to Mary and said, greetings, highly favored woman, woman. The Lord is with you. And it says, frightened, frightened and disturbed by this, Mary wondered what the angel could possibly mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have been chosen by God for this purpose. Now let's stop there a moment. You are chosen by God for his purpose. Obviously, it's not the same purpose that Mary had, but you have a purpose and you are chosen by God to, to live forth that purpose. And that purpose is baptized in, 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 the, in the fruit of the spirit, you know, that in the power of the spirit of God that, that, that you have been, just as she said, you have been chosen by God for his purpose. And this, this really increased, you can read verses 31 through 33, this increased her anxiety. And, and uh, stop there a moment and say, what am I worried about? What keeps you awake at night? Remember I asked uh, uh, yesterday, I said, uh, what are those things that are happening in your marriage that you, you're ignoring or you don't want to look at because you know your marriage is in trouble? What are those things? Listen, God has a purpose for you and has a purpose for your marriage. Mary, in, in verses 34 through 37, she is afraid. Now get this. This is so awesome. Goodness. I, I, I shouted when I read this today. And I've read this a hundred times uh, more than that. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. Now here it is. And I am willing to accept whatever, whatever he wants, whatever he wants. Have you ever said that to God? Have you ever said that to God? I am willing to accept whatever, whatever you want, God, I'm willing to accept it. That's, that's what uh, Tom was talking about today. He was talking about the word was surrender, wasn't it, Tom? And, that, and that's so right. That's so right. Have you ever, have you ever just said, I'm willing to accept whatever he wants? Because if you haven't, that cuts you off from being in the midst of the purpose that he has just for you. And that's something you never, you never want uh, to miss that. And then look at verse 47. My spirit, Mary says, my spirit finds its joy in God, what? My Savior. You see that? My spirit finds its joy in God. It doesn't say my spirit finds its joy in social media. It doesn't say that. My spirit finds its joy in Italian food. It doesn't even say that. My spirit finds its joy in college football. It doesn't even say that. I mean, that's, that's not, it says, my spirit finds its joy in God. She worried, but God set her free because she said, I am willing to walk out the purpose, the purpose of God for me. Wow, that, that is flat out awesome. That is, that is such an awesome word. And when you read that, it, it just shouts. Do you worry? Let's be honest here. Is anybody here worry? Okay, let me ask you this. Is there anybody here that prays? You know why we don't pray? The, our main excuse is we don't have time. 
that right? Hello? Come out and play. Isn't that right? It is. How do you find time? You don't find time to pray. How do you find time to worry? Do you set aside, you say, I'm going to skip half, half my lunch time today and I'm going to worry for 30 minutes. Do you have a worry list? That you put your worry list on the refrigerator? And every time you go to the refrigerator, you say, goodness, I'm worried about John today. Wow, forgot all about John. You know, I'm, how do you find time to worry? Because if you've got time to worry, you've what? You've got time to pray. That'll preach. That'll preach. So you ask about that, huh? You with me? Secondly, secondly, we're moving right along. I want to get through this. A second destroyer of joy, and this comes from Joseph. When Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant, he felt so betrayed and he was hurt. He had, he struggled, I'm sure, with resentment. Now listen to me. Hurt people, what? Hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. And, and you, you can look at, at folks who have, who have damaged, perhaps even you, that they damage you and they've hurt you. Why? If you look in their past, you'll see they, they've been hurt. Joseph was hurt. He was hurt and, and struggling, I'm sure, with, with uh, as I said, with resentment. And, and Mary's pregnant. And, and what's he going to do about that? What's he going to do about that? He had a choice to make. What did he choose? And, and this is in uh, Matthew 1. What he chose, well, listen to this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was legally betrothed to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin and they had not come together, she became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph was a godly man who always did what was right. And he did not want to shame Mary or expose her to public disgrace. So he planned to quietly call off the wedding. You see that? You see that? Um, so often... He, see, he had a choice. So often we choose to be resentful. The people that you hate right now, and there might be some of you that really are struggling with resentment, and those people don't even know about it. Doesn't that make you mad? That you're thinking, I've got, I, I, I'm hating this guy, and he's down at the mall eating Cinnabons. Goodness gracious, he ought to be concerned about this. But that's the way it works, you know, that resentment. And you've heard this said, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other guy to die. And the resentment is the poison that will destroy you and destroy me. And, and, uh, but we see here that Joseph, he dealt with that and he chose to offer grace and let the pain go. He chose and it was a huge decision. It, it was a huge decision. And then finally this, finally this. The third destroyer of joy is confusion. Confusion. When the wise men, when the wise men were confused, and, and you find, when you read your scripture, you find everybody seems to be confused just about. The, Herod was confused. Even the people of Jerusalem were confused. Uh, the wise men were confused. The only ones who, who seemed to really be in, in tune were the angels. Isn't that true? Listen to this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, some were wise men, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one 
Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have followed him here, seeking to find and worship him. Now Herod, listen to this, deeply upset, bothered by this search, and so was most of Jerusalem as well. Everybody confused except the angel. And so the search begins. And what I want you to see here is simply that when the wise men were confused, they chose to follow God's light one step at a time. When we don't know which way to turn, we don't turn against God. We begin to walk out our faith step by step by step. Um, the, the, the downside of really seeking Jesus and following Jesus is that not everybody's going to celebrate with you. But I want to be in the midst of the purpose of God. I want to say, I, I want to say with Mary, you know, I, I want to speak those words to Mary that, uh, and those words of Mary uh, when she said, you know, I, nothing is impossible with God and, and I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. Whatever he wants, I'm willing to accept that. You with me? We want to close now. I wanted to put that out there for you, that, that we serve a God, we serve a God that has joy to go around and peace and victory. We serve a God that's got a way, a way where you can make a difference. Well, when you leave this place, you say, man, that was great. I can't wait till next year to get back. No, no. I can't wait to get to my friends and my family to share with them a God who gives us joy without cease. To serve a God, to see what he will do with my family, what he will do with my friends. That's what I want. The joy of the Lord is still our strength. You believe that? You know what we're going to sing? What? Joy to the world. Sing your heart out. Sing your heart out. And, and uh, I just challenge you, if you need to come tonight to, to make a commitment to do, what, to do what May said, I'm willing to do what God has asked me to do. I'm willing to be a part of his purpose for my life. I want to know what that is, and I want to walk this thing out. I don't want to make the same mistakes that, that my brothers or sisters or my parents or whatever have made. I want to be a strength in the family. I want to be a source of knowledge in the family because of my relationship to God. Because we have joy to the world. The Savior has come and he's come to Mount Vernon tonight. He's right among us. So I challenge you to come if you want to come and pray. If you want somebody to pray, lift your hand and, and we got Blaine and we got Tom. We got a lot of people. But don't miss out. Don't miss out on that, on that next step. Well, let's stand and sing our hearts out. Let's sing it together. Joy to the world.